In improvisational theater, there is an adage that says, make your partner look good. In leadership and business relationships, this means you can make personal interactions a win-win situation for both you and your colleagues. Welcome to Partner Up with Amy Carroll, speaking with guests and listeners like you. Amy uses her wisdom and wit, leading you along the road to success. Now, here is your host, Amy Carroll. Welcome, everyone, to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. (laughs) This is my last name. I'm pretty good at saying it normally. Well, the good news is I'm your host. I know who I am, and I'm glad to be here with you. Today is September 11th. This day 19 years ago, we're never going to forget. So I want to dedicate the show to the lives that were touched by that fateful event. And as this is the second episode of my show, Partner Up with Amy Carroll, I got it right that time. If you want to find out more about who I am and what the show is about, feel free to listen to the first episode, which aired on September 4th, 2020. And in this episode, I was interviewed by my close friend, Karen Che, who got me to reveal some of my many communication disasters, my aha moment, and then how I somehow managed to become an international communication coach trainer, speaker, and author. You can listen to that interview on my website at carolcoaching.com. That's two R's, two L's. My podcast series, so you look for that partner in action. Or you can go to voiceamerica.com business channel. Now, if you want to be more mobile, be sure to download the Voice America app on your cell phone or listen to my show on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, and Player.fm. On today's show, I'm excited to be joined by Pat Kirkland, who is both the creator of the Predator-Prey Partner Model and my sister. Welcome, Pat. Thank you, Amy. Happy to be here. Cool. Now, before I introduce you to the listeners, Pat, I want to give them a short overview of this Predator-Prey Partner Model, which you developed. Okay. So this is the shorthand definition. We'll build on it as we're talking about it. Three archetypes, predator, prey, partner. Now, most of us are behaving as partners most of the time, meaning I'm holding high respect for myself, high respect for the other, all is well. The problem is under pressure, stress, perceived threat, crisis, COVID. COVID. <laughs> right? If yeah. Hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. We are likely to slip into one of these extremes, either the predator or the prey. The predator shows too much respect for herself, not enough for others. So it might sound like this. Yeah, hi. Um, can, can I just talk to the manager, please? So the person's sounding really ticked off. And that could leave the other person feeling intimidated or disrespected. By contrast, the prey, and that's P-R-E-Y, although they're often P-R-A-Y. So really nice. Well, it's too much respect for the other, not enough for herself. So that same phone call could sound like this. Yeah, yeah, but I could I, could I, I know, I know. Um, could I just, uh, is, I'm sorry, is it okay if I talk to the manager? <laughs> Click. (laughs) And the problem with being prey, when I'm holding too much respect for another person, not enough for myself, that could trigger even a nice person to become a predator towards me. So the idea is you want to step in partner before you need it. Stay in partner when the going gets tough and remain in partner even if you don't get what you want. Because at any point, magic can happen. So now I want to give you a little background on Pat. And then we're going to 
jump into the discussion. Pat is a master executive presence coach, a speaker, and by my count, I count, yes, definitely a character. Everything she coaches people to do comes from having to have overcome her own personal challenges. Now, early in her career, Pat struggled with the dilemma that faces nearly everyone who wants to lead. On one account, do I focus on results over relationships and then risk coming across as domineering? Or do I focus on relationships most and risk being seen as a doormat? Pat resolved to find a better way. Her deep dive into multiple disciplines, the most significant ranging from emotional intelligence to evolutionary theory, evolutionary leadership theory, from improvisational theater to the martial art of Aikido. They provided elements of the work that would eventually become her model of predator-prey partner. Out of that model, Pat identified a range of nonverbal nonverbal behaviors. Yep, it's the multiple (laughs) syllables. (laughs) That she coaches people on and considers these behaviors to be a universal language of leadership. I love that expression. Mm -hmm. And it's so true. A universal language of leadership. We're going to be talking about that in more detail. Applying Pat's model helps bring out the authentic leader in everyone. And as I mentioned earlier, I'm lucky enough to have her as my sister. Yeah. Pat. Yes, same. I would like you to give us a deep dive into your background. What I want to call, I'm calling your origin story. Okay. I know most of it. I've forgotten some of it. Um, I, and so I know I'm always fascinated by getting to hear it again. So where do you want to start? Uh, age so of 20 I'm, or so? Yeah. So I'm thinking I'll start at the breakdown and then I'll talk about the breakthrough, which is when I realized this is available for everybody. Breakdown, breakthrough. I like breakdown, that. Okay, yes. great. Yeah. So the breakdown occurred when I was about 20. Uh, I'm the oldest of seven. Amy's number six. I'm number one. And it was important from my point of view in our family society that I be an upstanding citizen. So I paid attention, and what I found was society as a whole was offering me two ways to be an adult. Either, as Amy said, become domineering and force your way to get results, or be a super nice person and turn into a doormat. And the problem was, yeah. You you said society was, you were getting this message from society. I was, these options. I, I kept seeing these options repeated over and over again in people's behavior. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So and one it, thing, one thing for listeners, I'm 10 years younger than Pat. And so it's, a, a, it's fascinating to hear that Pat, because I can't say that. And maybe because you modeled it early on so differently, mm-hmm. I never got that messaging. So it'd be interesting to know from listeners, and I'll be inviting you guys later to um, send me emails and be in communication to see if there's other people out there that went through that same awareness of those limited options. Um, Your comment is making me think that particularly with my being the first, there wasn't anybody else my age to learn from. So I was looking just at adults Mm -hmm. because I'm going to, I'm about to become a young adult. So how is it that, because we're wanting to be included, we want to belong in our society. So how do I become an effective, successful adult. So for me, it was seeing that results are rewarded. People like results. But to do that, I had to turn um, aggressive. I had to make things happen. And people didn't respond particularly well to that. So I was, in those moments, perceived as aggressive. Well, most of the time, I would go into the 
what you and I call the prey behavior, which is making sure I'm nice, making sure everybody's okay. But then I didn't get a foothold. I couldn't get things to happen. I didn't get any traction. And so there was a breakdown in my life so serious that I realized, I say it jokingly, but it was completely true that my ego was too big to not be respected. It was killing yeah. me to be a dormant. And then it was killing my heart to not be regarded by people, to not be loved and be disliked. And I was like, but I have to solve this riddle. I, how, do, how do you uh, have respect and, and have access to love? How do you be a loving, respectful human being? And what I saw was vacillation. I saw it was an either or. Either you get respect or you get regard. So for me, being suicidal, and, and it was, um, I realized that if I have nothing else to lose, because the way I was planning to do myself off was going to be painful. I was like, well, is there a less painful way? And I found therapy. <laughs> <laughs> therapy was, was less painful. I'm not saying painless, but less painful. And that began... Okay, let me interrupt a second. Yeah. I think uh, your mic might be clicking against your necklace. If you want to just move that oh, out or okay. hold it up, that might be good. Okay. Got it. Um, so since I had nothing to lose, you know, freedom is nothing, having nothing to lose. I started out saying, well, what can I do? What can I learn? And so the interesting thing is I started CBS news because I wanted to get close to communication. I want to be around studying it. And I thought, Oh my God, if if I could become part of a TV show where we teach people to do this. And I thought somebody like me, I could just copy it. So it's interesting, Amy, you made the comment about you may have had other people to learn from. I didn't. So I did, and I was searching for a model. Right. And so you had, so take us from there. What happened at that point? So I'm, I'm, uh, I start with my job at CBS. I realize, oh, it's not going to turn into getting into production on a TV show. I um, moved to California and I go to back to school to get my master's, realizing that I need to have some kind of advanced training. So I get my master's in education and I get a job as a trainer in a defense contractor on the West Coast. And again, what kept me phenomenally motivated was this was a search for my life. Either I figure this out or I'm going to take myself off the planet. So Mm. my motivation was very high. The interesting thing is as I would talk to what was true about for me, people would come up to me going, yeah, I feel the same way. I feel like this is the only choice that, that I've seen. Okay, so you got a lot of affirmation that you yeah. are not alone in this experience. Right, right. So here comes the breakthrough story. <clears throat> and you're about so, what age now? I'm 25, 26. So it's about five years into therapy. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and what's, what I okay. remember when you were 25, I was 15. And we had always been living in the same space. This is about the time that... Uh, when we moved to the Midwest, you moved from New York to the West Coast. Correct. And we were really missing each other. Yes. So you had this brilliant plan, and you would fly me to California. And because you didn't have a lot of vacation time, instead of taking a trip together, you would stick me in the back of the classroom. We'd <laughs> hang out together. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, take your sister to work day. <laughs> that, that movement never really quite caught on, I think. <laughs> it would be a great movement. Yeah. So, so you saw me learning bit by bit by bit. Um, I was also slowly changing little by little. Mm-hmm. So I started out as a presentations trainer. Interestingly enough, when I started, training wasn't really identified 
self-help wasn't fully identified as a field. So I was working my way in, again, pursuing what was of most interest to me was figuring out this riddle. So here I am working in this defense contractor. I'm in an organization of 10,000 people. I am one level above the bottom. That's really important to recognize (laughs) that I had no positional power in this company. Okay. But I was developing my personal power by applying what I was learning because Mm -hmm. I was my test case. So I'm learning how to coach people on presentation skills, which means under pressure, I'm learning to stand still. Under pressure, I'm learning to keep my voice strong. Under pressure, I'm learning to not have my eyes dart. So I'm actually mapping in, and that's an important word, mapping in these valuable behaviors. So long, couple of years go by, and the head of my division yeah. uh, dictates, he said, all these engineers and scientists are retiring and they don't know how to pass on what they've learned. They can't present for anything. And so he calls my boss and he said, would you get one of your people on this? Now, you can hear, by the way, I'm representing his voice. Uh, he was, in my model, very predator-like. He liked it a little bit. I recall yes, his a little bit. Yes, yes. Yeah, so he was uh, a big-time predator. Yes. And he had a reputation for that. I mean, he was known for tearing presenters from limb to limb. So I, uh, my boss tasks me with developing presentation skills for engineers and scientists. No problem. Love doing that. I go into his office. I put it on Your his boss's desk. office. Let's my give me a name yes. for. Wh- wh- so we'll call him Jeff. Call Jeff. Okay. Jeff, and, and the the big cheese we'll call John. Okay, yeah, that's so, good because all the big cheeses apparently most CEOs are. That's the most common name for a CEO. <laughs> <laughs> so I go into Jeff's office, my boss, and I because we still have, we're on paper then. So I gave him my proposal on paper. And he said, oh, no, this will be a career development opportunity for you to present to John. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. He much prefers hearing from you. So this little proposal goes back and forth three times. And I finally get, oh, tag, you're it. Oh, my God. So the day comes. Now, normally my boss would wear, and we're not exaggerating here, pink flamingo ties in a defense contractor. Wow. Yeah. That day he wore a three-piece navy blue pinstripe suit. He looked like he was going to a funeral. And I thought possibly his own. No, mine. Oh, you I was gonna present. (laughs) Right, right, because he was just gonna sit and watch. Okay. He he was just gonna sit and watch. Uh, and so I already had heard about this guy's reputation. So we go into the conference room and it looks like a Hollywood set. We're talking the long mahogany table, the high back leather chairs, the low lighting. Oh geez. And you're meeting this guy, John, for the first time. First time. Okay. Last time, as, as it turned <laughs> out. But yes, the one time, yes. So um, I'm already, un- and I was unconscious about this, but I was actually starting to activate the things I'd been learning through presentation skills. And one of the things that you do is you make sure that your voice fills the room. So John walks in, I stand up, I'm bold, I greet him by his first name. And apparently I realized, oh, that the earth didn't stop spinning that day. Okay, so I survived t- test number one. So we sit down and he says, start. Okay. So what I'm doing when I'm sitting down is I'm. No chit chat. No. Oh, nothing. Doing anything to attempt to connect with you on a human level. Well, back then, you know, as a leader, domination was the the, uh, flavor of the day. And it was just do what I say. Yeah. So I started, but I also didn't start to rush. I was Mm -hmm. able to stay. I had composure. I sat back in the chair, open body language. And were you actually composed internally as well? 
Well, see, that's that's an important point, Amy, because I've discovered for myself that I make a distinction between knowing something, meaning I understand it, and owning it, which means I can do it under pressure. Because I've been coaching people on presentation skills, my bar for myself was I need to be able to demonstrate for people what to do, not tell them what to do. So I was actually starting to map this into my body. So if I had had a blood pressure cuff on me, I'm sure they would think she's about 10 points shy of a heart attack here. (laughs) But it wasn't the end of the world. I was able to, there we go. I was able to hold the pressure. I was able to maintain under pressure because I'd been practicing this. Right. So there is a, a, what do I want to call it? Not like a mismatch or how you were appearing externally and how you're feeling internally were not Not (laughs) coherent. Right. They weren't terribly incoherent though. And that's what I want to say because I had been practicing this on a regular basis. Right. So, so you don't always have to live with this high, high distress. Absolutely not. Though at the same time, it's important for people to appreciate when you're under in your, in an acutely stressful moment, you won't necessarily feel calm, cool, and collected internally, and you'll still be successful. You can still still be successful. Yes. Yes. And a lot of times it's once you get through it, you reflect back and you realize, oh, I used those skills that I learned. Oh, they got me through. And that's the relief comes afterwards for the next time. Yes. And right. The relief and the the confidence of, okay, this is going to, it's going to be like, I'm going to be on a roller coaster ride. It's going to be exhilarating. It's going to be scary. And I'm going to make it out alive. Yes. Yes. So he's asking me questions. I'm answering his questions. And we're halfway through the meeting and I'm, I'm sitting there wondering, well, where's the attack? When does the attack happen? And all of a sudden, a little angel, a little devil popped up on my shoulders and they started to have their own discussion. And the little devil said, <clears throat> we should have her start to swivel because then she'll look real relaxed. So, so the, you mean you're in one of those chairs that goes back and forth, swivel I, well, in the chair. Just like the Hollywood sets, yes. It's a very expensive black leather chair. Well, high back. It just really off the Hollywood set. (laughs) And then the angel on my other shoulder is freaking out going, no, 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 it's going so well. Please don't screw it up. So I'm trying to answer his questions. Meanwhile, I've got these two arguing. Well, who wins but the devil? So I start to do a slow swivel. Now, that's partially because my feeling is as doing the R&D, the research and development, I got to test new new behaviors. (laughs) Will anybody die if they swivel? But the point was, I swiveled very slowly. Yes. Like I was, oh, my, could have fallen asleep at that point because I was (laughs) so relaxed. (laughs) Right? And still nothing happens. And the next thing I know, he stands up and he says, when you say still nothing happens. There was no attack from him, from John. Right. So still everything's going smoothly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Again, I'm, <clears throat> I'm looking at him. I'm looking at my boss. So I'm not over uh, acknowledging him with um, fawning eye contact. Again, I'm using my gestures. So I'm showing that my body is not locking up. I know my stuff. So that wasn't an issue. So the next thing I know, he stands up. He decides he's done. He goes, fine, go do it. And he walks out the room. And then I stand up and I literally start touching body parts to make sure I'm all in one piece. Wow. And at that moment, exactly, that was my wow moment. I'm like, wait a minute. I have no positional power in this organization. But I, I have developed personal power 
by being able, I know what to, I know what to do under pressure. That was, that was my realization, excuse me, that anybody who wants to learn these behaviors can, and they can handle almost any situation. Ta-da! Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, when you have talked about that story in the past, you've got said things like, um, when you talked about the mapping it out, another way Mm -hmm. I say it is, um, building muscle memory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because so many people, listeners may have heard the term neuroplasticity, meaning the mm-hmm. brain is malleable and flexible and can grow and change. Uh, so that the idea is you've got to work out the brain under pressure. Yes. And, and then you, you also, I love what you say. Sometimes you say, you may know it. The question is, do you own it? And right. that the skills have to be in you, not on you. Right. And the only way to do that is go through these little mini workouts to build the muscles, well, to the, map it in the brain. Yeah. And for me, there are two important words in what you're saying, deliberate practice or conscious practice, which means you have to feel yourself when you're doing it, not just do it, but it's the feeling it that causes the neurons to recognize and fire in that direction. So it's the, if I'm practicing teaching So when we were doing things in person, a lot of people under pressure have trouble standing still. So my suggestion is you're brushing your teeth for two minutes. Can you feel your feet when you're brushing your teeth? That gives you conscious, deliberate practice. And that starts to, then when you start to move around, you realize, oh, wait a minute. I'm I'm used to feeling my feet be still. So it helps um, not just practicing, but doing deliberate practice. And I... Uh, I don't know if I got this term from my colleague, Robbie, or I came up with it on my own. I call those, those little extra movements, adrenaline leakage points. Mm. And that the idea is to be first be aware of it. So like you're saying, when you, even when you're brushing your teeth, you might be doing this movement unnecessarily. Well, that might not be a stress moment, though it's already a place you can practice if yes. unintended movement is there. Then the idea is also to practice it when you're feeling a little more stress. Can you control the body? Can you um, con- a- a- and channel the It'll adrenaline? Work. Yeah. So that it's working to your advantage. Definitely. And I, and I like that adrenaline leak because that's what it is. Because it's showing when you were referencing earlier, my internal state in that meeting versus what they were witnessing. The internal state had a lot more adrenaline running, but I was able to channel it. Yeah. Now, Pat, we're going to be taking a break in just a couple of minutes, though. I okay. know you've talked about this story about a woman who wanted to get her dream job. Um, I, can you share with listeners about that? We might have to. Uh, we may have to hold it if we don't get yeah. to the. Okay. Punchline. So she uh, comes into my uh, training on executive presence and she said, I need your help getting my dream job. I said, we're there for you. So then I watch her do her first introduction. And I realized on a scale of one to 10, her energy is kind of in the average zone of five to six, which means as a leader, she's not standing out. We record people. She, would watch, she watched herself and then she came back saying, oh, I went through chemo. I had breast cancer. And, and I didn't realize that my energy is less than it was. She said, That's, they're, they're not recognizing. I don't look like I'm going after my dream job. Wow. So we worked on her energy. So that was a, there was a, what we would call an awareness gap there. So she felt it on the inside, but it wasn't coming across on the outside. Well, I'm a big proponent. You can dress for success. 
But really, particularly eagle eye executives, they're looking at how you're handling the moment, not how you're dressed in the moment. Yeah. So my feeling is it's got to be in you, not on you. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we coach her. She, we record her. She sees, oh, my God, my energy's there. Great. Three weeks later, she goes in on a Friday to move her office from one building to another. She's wearing old torn jeans, a wrinkled shirt. She gets a call from the admin person of a general manager who says he wants you to come in. They want to talk to you about this job. Of course, mm-hmm. it was her dream job. Yes. So she goes across campus and she remembers it's in me, not on me, in me, not on me. She walks into his office. She extends her hand and she said to him, Brian, I'm here for my dream job. Three days later. Even though you're saying he, she, how was she dressed? She had on a wrinkle because she was moving her office. She said, it doesn't matter what I'm wearing. She's wow. So she jeans. didn't get caught up in that. Right. She had to coach herself, just like mm. you and I have been saying. Mm. She had to stay very conscious it's in me, not on me, in me, not on me. And that what she did is she lifted her energy when she went in there. Leaders stand out. Leaders are people that other people can see and follow because of how they're showing up. And again, she extended her. He witnessed it in those first five seconds. He witnessed, oh, my God, this woman knows what she's doing. So it was in her. And what happened as a result? So three weeks later, she contacted me and she said, they gave me the job. I have my Amazing. dream job. Amazing. Amazing. That's brilliant. And I love how she made that connection about what had happened to her from her physical health. Yes. She dropped the energy and how she was able to bring it back up. Excellent. So we're going to go to a break in a minute. And when we come back, Uh Pat and I are going to tell you a story about a time many, (laughs) many years ago when um, there might have been a situation with um, me and driving and a police officer and uh, how we handled that situation. So if you want to get in touch with Pat, you can check her out on Pat Kirkland Leadership, her website.com, LinkedIn, Pat Kirkland, or her company, and you can find it on LinkedIn and Facebook, Pat Kirkland Leadership. Okay, let's take a break and be back shortly. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you have colleagues, family members, or neighbors that just drive you crazy sometimes? Do you occasionally find yourself feeling disrespected, mistreated, or annoyed by others? As a no-nonsense communication coach, trainer, speaker, and author, Amy Carroll may have a solution for you. For over 35 years, Amy has studied status and power dynamics, what sabotages relationships, results, and how to get desired outcomes in business and personal interactions. Make Your Partner Look Good is a philosophy from improvisational theater, as well as Amy's favorite mantra. For the last 20 years, she has been using her superhero powers to inspire individuals and multinationals around the globe to transform their communication and tap into their own partner powers. With concrete behavior changes in voice, body language, words, and attitude, Amy shows clients what to keep and what to change to get more out of what you want more often with less hassle. Visit carolcoaching.com today. That's C-A-R-R-O-L-L coaching.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. 
We want participation from you. Call into the program today with questions or comments or your own interpersonal communication dilemmas to share. The toll-free number in North America is 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to amy at carolcoaching.com. Now, back to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Here again is Amy. Welcome back to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. I'm here with my sister, Pat Kirkland, who is the creator of the Predator Prey Partner Model. And I did promise you just before the break that we would tell you a story that, and I'm going to pause that story for a moment because, Pat, I want to finish making the connection okay. between the story with this uh, about the woman who realized she had to bump up her energy in order to communicate that I can handle it kind of attitude. And talking about the importance of energy, because that for me is one of the pillars of this model. You talk about all the behaviors of partner, the behaviors to avoid as a predator, avoid to be showing, showing up as too much prey. Though energy is particularly uh, interesting, especially now when many people are working virtually. Yes, so let's talk about that a little bit for okay. the listeners to give them some thoughts on that. Okay. And where would you like, <laughs> I can go on. Where would you like me to start well, on? For me, I think one of the challenges is that people don't realize, in general, when we've been coaching people face-to-face, you know, let's give them the scale. This is a scale that comes from our brother, Kevin Carroll, uh, energy scale from one to 10. One, two, we call bad life. Three, four, bad day. We've all been there. Five, six, neutral, minimum professional standard, just enough to get the job done. (laughs) Seven, eight, in the zone energy. This is where you can most have the most ability to positively influence others. And then nine, 10, over the top. And uh, this is what I usually say to my European and uh, coaches, uh, train my participants outside of the US, I say nine, 10, also known as the American, because Come on, we know we have to admit Americans out there were known as being a little bit um, vivacious in other parts of the world. Though this energy scale is, it adjusts according to the situation. So in the zone energy in Finland is going to perhaps be different than in California. I'd like connection to the, uh, the book that I read, Evolutionary Leadership Theory that you mentioned earlier, Amy. Okay, yeah. So I read that book expecting it to be about leadership. Well, ultimately it it was, but they started out talking about followers and the follower brain. So back when we were all on the savanna, we could be threatened by weather. We could be threatened by another uh, troop. We could be threatened by a wild animal. So at any moment, we were getting direction from others in our tribe. And what would happen is the people who survived, who we ended up coming from, our ancestors, were the ones who instantaneously could pick the leader to follow. So they realized it's in our DNA to recognize leaders. So when you're talking about those different energy levels, so if we're at five, six, if we just say whatever culture or team you're on, that's your average, a leader has to be above that level to be seen and to be heard. So it's because instantaneous decisions are being made on some things, you know, two people are arguing, which one do I think, you know, do we, do we let the ship date slip or do we hold to that? Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's an expression of, it's almost, it's a great word, vitality of your ability to get the job done. 
So, And I think what's also useful for people to appreciate is that energy can be communicated in multiple ways. I want to list those in a moment. And before we do, I want to underline this piece that what we have seen consistently over and over and over and over is that people think they're showing up in the zone. This is where you have the most ability to influence others and they're only showing up in neutral energy. They might be feeling in the zone inside, except it's not being expressed externally. And what we're seeing with virtual communication is that it's even more muted. And how do you say it? That um, that there's something about... uh, Well, it's the electronics that if you think about it, I'm a three-dimensional being living and breathing over here that's being captured by uh, recording equipment, the visual and the auditory. And then I'm being turned into numbers and signals. And then on your end and on the listener's end, in a way it's being reassembled. Well, they, they left out a few things. Like, you know, I got really kicky sandals on right now and it didn't get that at all. Nobody can appreciate. Nobody can appreciate because it can't get all of us. Right. So what we're recognizing is, uh, if in a way, it's a little bit of broadcast energy. It's about helping reinvigorate revitalize who we are at the other end and we need to put more energy in for us to read that same way on the other end of the receiver. Okay, so let's brainstorm for the listeners the four or five things that it takes to project energy. Most people are going to assume more volume. That's only Mm -hmm. one of them. Right, right. Uh, Facial expression. Yes. Uh, I've seen witness what we call the soft smile so often that the soft smile says the frame, you and me, we're good. I want to be here because uh, animals read behavior to assess intention. So if I see a non-expressive face versus yep. a face with a smile, my brain, again, my DNA recognizes, oh, the person with the smile more wants to be here. Is that accurate? Is that correct? I don't know. But that's what I begin to assume. So I'm more drawn to that. So facial expressions convey energy. Yeah. And with masks, it makes it even more difficult to communicate that. So what you, I like one of the terms you've always used is the smiling eyes. Mm-hmm. And, and people, smiling is more important. What you're getting at, Pat, is that a smile is literally saying today you're safe. <laughs> today you won't die. Can't promise tomorrow. Because we know how to read those behaviors. That's the, that, what you're tapping into, Amy, here is the universal nature of this nonverbal behavior that you can read that anyplace and we're also pretty good at reading false smiles and that yeah. supposedly real smiles do show up in the eyes as opposed to just the bottom half of the face. Right. Okay. So we've got volume, facial expressions. For me, Can gestures we, is yes. Oh, yes. another way to show energy. And is there a fourth one? I'm not. Yeah. So the, the, you and I, um, we talk about is vocal vari- variations. Yes. So to me, there's a difference between reporting out, which tends to be flat and conversational tone. So conversational tone, we're hitting more notes. There's more, um, in a way, stimulation as opposed to just a, you know, a beep, 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 I'm done. So all those ways. And from what I'm seeing virtually is it's your own unique combination of those things. There's not a way to be. It's that you're using who you are and how you show up to demonstrate energy. Because the important thing is that from my point of view, energy demonstrates engagement. And engagement says, I care about what we're doing here. And that's the way it translates virtually. Yeah, well said. So I think we complete this part around energy. I think what's important for listeners to pay attention to is 
Um, you notice how you're showing up. And the easiest way to do is film yourself and watch that. Listen to your voice. Do you sound like someone who's in a great mood? Regardless of how it feels, yes. you were listening to yourself as if you were a stranger. So a point there, Amy, when you're saying regardless of how you feel, I realize there are two states that people do show up so that internally they feel comfortable. <clears throat> and the measure is, oh, it must be effective because it's comfortable. And I like to delaminate those two, separate those two to look at, is it effective? Now, ultimately, you can relaminate them if you've got your energy level overall showing up in the zone, the seven to eight. But that's where the, that's part of why this is a development. This is why we're coaching people is to move from comfortable to effective. And then what happens as you map it in, you become comfortable with what's effective. Right. That's your new, your new normal. Great. New normal. Let's tell them the story. So this is, okay, 25 years ago this summer, you and I were driving from Chicago to California because I was moving to Switzerland and we were having our last big trip hurrah. We took a week to do this. By the way, this was in, in 1995, the summer of many people remember a massive heat wave that kicked in the day we left Chicago. We didn't know it was happening. Mm, we, nope. got to, we got to Missouri and, we, and I didn't have air conditioning in my little um, Honda. And I remember we were both like, wow, it's really hot in Missouri. I never knew Missouri was going to be so hot. I, I still see those arches in movies and everything. Yeah. And I go, oh, my God, it's still hot probably. <laughs> And, and uh, you had this brilliant way because I was doing most of the driving. You kept, you had a little mini mister and you kept just spraying me, spritzing me, keeping me. <laughs> you, you wet. <laughs> Wait a minute, she's drying out. Let me squirt her again. <laughs> and so I, I didn't, my little Honda did not have cruise control, which is part of what led to this story. And do you remember what state we were in? New Mexico. Uh, there were two states, Amy. <laughs> well, we're just going to tell one of them. We're going to tell them the second story. Because the first one, the we escaped with our okay, lives. Okay, that's right. All right. Well, we can explain that one. So we're in But it was state. New Mexico, I believe. It both in New Mexico, you think? No, I don't know. But I know New Mexico is where okay. it happened. It happened. All right. So before New Mexico, on the day before, we're driving and a cop car pulls up right behind me. And I'd been speeding. So, you know, I was like, <laughs> and we're just breathing, breathing, breathing. And then... I guess he took enough time to check my plates and decided there were no outstanding warrants. Throw, the, and then he, throw those fish back in the sea. Right, right, right. So he let us go. And we thought, okay, we had escaped. And you would think I had learned my lesson. 24 hours later, there I am in New Mexico speeding away. And there's a car behind me. And then we see the cop car behind him. And the cop puts his, and, and I knew it was too late for them. I saw I was, you know, whatever X number of miles over the speeding limit. And... The cop car puts his lights on. <laughs> I remember seeing the guy pu- behind me pull over. I'm like, nobody, trust me, this is your day. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> and I remember that guy just was, you know, just so overjoyed. Like we were. <laughs> as he drove away. <laughs> so we pull over. And interrupt me at any time, Pat. I'm, okay. I, I remember... Um, we had a, a minute or two before he walked up. Well, to the actually, I, if I could jump in here. As soon as I realized from the sound in your voice and lights kind of feeling like they're coming up on us, my stomach dropped. I mean, like I was back in parochial school. All I thought was, oh, my God, we're going to die. Oh, my God, we're going to die. Oh, yeah. So, so I was, you know, what we were talking about, the composure and everything. Yeah. I lost it. 
internally, I was in an awful place. Wow. I didn't know yeah. that because you, you kept it together for my sake. So thank you for that. Well, well, what I did is because of my improv training, realizing when you get up on stage with somebody else or even by yourself, that if your focus is on people having a good time, people feeling safe, you're going to get through it, right? Mm. So what came to me, and I, it wasn't mine, it just came to me. I said, the only thing we have in our power is to make this a pleasant experience. Now, I was so freaked out. I must have said that 15 times before we, we finally pulled over because it was, it was a mantra. I was like, this is, this is all we have in our power because, I mean, I'm with you. I know we were going a little fast. So I just wanted to and let you, everybody know that I was. You said that out loud. Or what did, do you remember how you said I, that to me? That's exactly what I said. Mm. The only thing we have in our power, pause, is to make this a pleasant experience. Because you, both you and I were already familiar with this stuff. We hadn't identified it down to a model, we, but we knew these behaviors had an, inf, had an impact. Yeah, so, and you're, you're saying, what you're saying is it's, it's speaking to the partner mindset of yes. all we have in our power is to make this a pleasant experience. So it was really about you know, the thinking, which then was going to impact how we behaved. Yes, Yes. So, um, and I remember I was freaking out because I was like, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to be leaving the country in a couple of days. What if they take my driver's license? What is, you know, how much, what does that mean? And so the cop walks over to us and he does this sort of typical, you know, he's very somber and serious. And uh, he says, you know, do you know why I'm pulling you over? And I think I copped to the cop right away. I said, <laughs> yes, officer, I was speeding. Um, so I think that was probably a good thing. And, and I knew, and he said, yes. And he's being, he's using, he's using silence to like um, really to his benefit. So I'd like to, to jump in as the observer to this whole thing. Yeah. So my recollection of what you were doing was you were being very respectful for him. You were in a way using his name, calling him yes, sir, officer, no officer, but that vocal expression we were talking about, the vocal variations you sounded friendly. You didn't yeah. sound obnoxious. You didn't no. sound whiny. So you didn't go to predator. You didn't go to prey. Yeah. You were owning that you were doing it and your voice had a lighter quality, even though your sister by your side was freaking out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this was, and this is, I'm glad we told the story about the first attempted um, time, you know, the, the, the day before with the other cop, because this is what listeners, you're not going to believe what almost happened. So, um, Pat, I think you were like nervous. So you were no. like, you're, <laughs> now I understand because, so you're wanting to chat with him and you lean over and you stick your head, you know, over and, you know, to my side. And you said, you know, officer, well, it's really, but this was after he's already made his decision is the way I recall it. Um, he took, I don't remember for sure. I just remember him taking for frigging. Okay. So, so I remember a lot of the details because my life was going in slow motion through this whole yeah. thing. So are you okay if I jump in? Yeah. Okay. So, so again, Amy, you're being very respectful. You're answering his questions. And then you said, yes, officer, my, I'm driving with my sister out to California. Pause, pause, pause to drop off some of my belongings because I'm moving to Switzerland. Yeah. And he kind of looked up and he said, you're moving to Switzerland. Yes. I have a job, blah, 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 blah. Right. And I was really excited. Do you yes, remember what you he were. said? Well, that's where it started to turn is that I went, again, Amy, he slowed down time. You know, yeah. he's looking over everything. He's yes. filling out the form. I yes. mean, you're crawling through time. What he and said. He turned, yes. He said, well, I've never been out of the state of New Mexico. 
And I went, oh, I, that I didn't remember. Yeah. And I went, uh, uh, you know, so here, you know, I just felt <laughs> oh. that, yeah, of me of privilege and, and sort of almost bragging of I'm moving to Switzerland. And then he throws this back at me. I've never been out of the state of New Mexico. And I just remember that, you know, there's my, the rock in my stomach that formed. Cause I just thought, oh, I've really, you know, seen my fate now. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you continued again to be upbeat. Um, he's doing his thing. And then to me, the turning point, because my belief is he was looking, he was testing you to see if you were a problem. Yes. Right. And, and we, we didn't just, know that. But we didn't know that. But you weren't being a problem. You were being very cooperative. And likewise, not being uh, the apologetic whiny prey, which you think, oh, but that should be my strategy. You're just like, I'm owning up to it. This happened. Yes. So then he, he said, he said, have you ever been to Spain? And I'm sitting in the passenger seat going, something just changed. I'm like, why that question? <laughs> that, was, that was a really weird question. Yes. Yeah. And you said, whatever you said, I can't remember whether you ever had been to Spain. And then he said, I have family in Spain. And I was like, oh, my God, we're going to get out alive. We're going to survive. I was still confused. I was just and, like. And then I did the stupid thing, which was. Okay. Then I did oh, the thing. That's when you did it. Yes. Oh, because you thought it was safe. Yeah. I, I believed we were going to get through this thing. Yes. Right. So then she, Pat leans over to the police officer and says, oh, you know, officer, it's really funny because yesterday <laughs> when we, Emu was, was driving and I realized that Pat is just about to tell this police officer who's not going to give, not to give me a ticket that I should have gotten a ticket the day before for also for speeding and I didn't. And I remember turning my face. I had a smile on my face as I was looking at the officer. And then I slowly turned my face and I looked at Pat where he couldn't see me. And I gave her this look of death, like, shut up. You caught my drift. And then you just babbled your way I just, out of this. I just ate the rest of my words. So I was excited. And I really, and Scott, thank you, officer. <laughs> you just went on for another, you know, 20, 30 seconds. Say nothing. Yes, nothing. <laughs> I was saying nothing. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that was good, Pat. And then, and then there was one, from my point of view, one final moment where you um, very respectfully, you said, officer, will you be needing to keep my light driver's license? Pause. Yes. Because I'll need to get a, a license in Switzerland. Yes. And my sense is that was the moment he was deciding whether to write you up or not. Yeah. And then he, he said, he said, whatever, be safe, go slow, whatever he said. And one thing we forgot to mention to the listeners is uh-huh. when he told me about his family in Spain and he told me the town, he then gave me the name of the town and said, <laughs> go and visit them. Oh, my God. <laughs> and so the thing I want to heighten, Amy, is the mantra, the only thing we have in our power right. to make this a pleasant experience. So we're sitting there having a pleasant chat with the officer who just pulled us over for speeding. Yeah. Saw that coming. Yeah. And both of us were united in how we were showing up. Yeah. 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 So, you know, when we say magic can happen, friggin' magic can truly happen. (laughs) Yep. Now, um, Pat, we just have um, a few minutes left, and I want to um, start to move into call for action. Okay. You have an interesting call for action. And I, do you remember what you were going to suggest? Yeah. Uh, So particularly because so many people are communicating virtually 
right now. Um, and again, the comment you made earlier that people aren't aware that the virtual being pinned right now, we're in a Zoom call, the camera is static. It kind of causes you to get quieter and quieter and less and less movement. So what starts to feel normal is kind of a, um, a um, toned down self. So we got to bring that up to the zone, the seven, eight zone. So what I would recommend is use the recording feature. Get on a, I know you can sign up for Zoom without any cost. Get on a Zoom call with a friend, without a friend, and hit the recording button. So then do what you might do in a regular meeting. So record maybe 10 seconds, 15 seconds. Then I think you have to, quote, leave the meeting for it to convert. Then two things, and this is where you start to become, you can start coaching yourself. Watch yourself without sound. So then you're just seeing what you were talking about, the, the gestures, the facial expressions. You're seeing what's that communicating. And then take it back to the beginning and then listen to it without watching. And then you can start to see where's my energy coming from? What, was it, what is it that I'm doing that I want to continue to do? Or what is it that I want to do more of? So it helps you analyze. Yeah. So both watch without volume, listen without sound. Yeah. No, did I get that right? What? Listen, listen without video. That's it. Yes. <laughs> listen without sound. I bet you they all figured that out, though. I bet you they knew. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm still never surprised what a shocking experience that is for participants, especially people who are not used to watching themselves. It can be a very positive surprise. Many people dread looking at themselves and they will often come back after uh, in a training and come back and say, oh my gosh, I looked so much more confident than I thought, or I looked so much better. So some people are very pleasantly surprised by what they see. And then other people are gobsmacked. And, and unfortunately, when they see something they don't like, like the famous one where you were talking earlier about movement. Uh-huh. And I know you had a senior executive who was having a tendency to do oh. sort of the two-step. Oh, my. Yes. Do you want to tell that story? Yeah. So this is when I was doing presentations, skills coaching. I have a director in the class. And so there are people one and two levels below him. So because of that, it was delicate to coach him. So he's standing up in the front of the room and it looks like he's... He just keeps moving. And I realize he's got so much adrenaline, he's not able to control that. He's got an energy leak, like you're saying, the adrenaline leak. So I'm as kindly as and smoothly as I can encouraging him to stand still. Well, he pretty much communicates back off, babe. Okay. I will respect a back off, right? So I stop coaching him. The other people in the group start saying, you're still moving. You're still moving because they could see it wasn't working for him. Yeah. And he basically said, I'm fine. I feel comfortable this way. Yep. Okay. So then everybody shut up. He watches his video, comes back, stands in front of the room. And I said, so uh, Ray, what is it that you learned watching your video? He stood there absolutely completely still. His feet never moved. He looked up sheepishly and he said, I was doing the pee-pee dance, wasn't I? <laughs> Ouch. And yes, and it was. That's why it was so awful because he looked like a little kid who had to pee. Yeah. So that nervous energy wants to come out. We want you to have it come out productively. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Pat, thank you for that last bit. All right, listen, we're going to have to start to wrap up soon. I'm going to throw out a couple of call for actions from my side. One, I invite re- readers to go to my website, carolcoaching.com, and read newsletter number 23 
on power plays. And here you're going to learn what partner behaviors to use to neutralize these power plays. Again, that's newsletter number 23. And my second call for action is for you to email me your communication conundrums, clashes, challenges, mishaps, blunders, and successes. And you can either do this through my email, amy at carolcoaching.com, or through any of my social media channels. You can reach me on Amy Carol Coaching. And what I'll be doing in future episodes is reading these. And Pat, I would already like to invite you back. And again, this was so fun. I would love to come back. Okay, good. And we can um, discuss and debate these challenges that people send oh, cool. me over future shows, and we can make suggestions. And um, and we could even, whenever uh, you know, I have a live show, having people have a chance to call in and even coach them. Uh, we also want to do a shout out to our sister in law, Mary, for a happy birthday, Mary. Hope happy you have birthday, a great Mary. Day. <laughs> and. Again, if you want to connect with Pat, you can reach out to her via her website. That's Pat Kirkland Leadership, and that's P-A-T-K-I-R-K-L-A-N-D-L-E-A-D-E-R-S-H-I-P.com. Pat Kirkland Leadership. LinkedIn is Pat Kirkland, and for her company on LinkedIn and Facebook, you can look for Pat Kirkland Leadership. So, As wrapping up, I want to invite you to join next week when we're going to be taking live calls. And this is going to be interviewed with my brother, Kevin, who is a born partner. We mentioned him earlier. Feel free to connect with me. And listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. You've been listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll on the Voice America Business Channel. Happy partnering, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Join Amy for another edition next Friday at 7 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we speak again, make it a great week. And remember, make your partner look good.